Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, the chairman of the board, making the show happen for us. John McClain joins us in about 15 minutes. We're going to hit the NFL headlines, fallout from the NFL draft, and much more. Primary complaint today in 45 minutes. We are locked and loaded and ready to go. If you're watching on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, we appreciate that. And if you're streaming us live on Rumble, welcome to Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. And if you're listening on podcasts, we hope you'll subscribe and let everyone know you can find us just by simply searching out Outkick 360. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. morning. There's one thing that we can all agree upon on this show. It's that we love vitriol. And that's what we had last night in the Yankees-Astros game. Paul, I was impressed with the atmosphere at Yankee Stadium. They were angry. And uh, that didn't simmer over time. It uh, probably escalated over time because it's been brewing and brewing and they haven't had a chance to greet the Astros. Uh, Last year didn't play, obviously. And uh, I I sent you guys video of the, uh, if you hadn't seen it for yourself, the woman that had trouble with her inflatable garbage can, which uh, deflated. I don't know if she brought it in empty and planned on blowing it up uh, without a pump, but she spent a lot of time Blowing up this garbage can. And it made for a very amusing visual. <laughs> she, was, she was hiding, like the, secretly blowing it up down here and coming up. It looked like she was up to something far more nefarious. Um, and it added a comedic edge. I, I was way more into the angry woman Yankees fan. Oh, Hutton had the tweet of the night. angry, angry woman. Retweeting that video. Joe Kinsey of OutKick. I know it was the first person I saw that had the video of the woman uh, F-bombing oh. the Astros and then was pointing back up to the stands or to the outfield at someone else. Frightening I woman. love that woman. Frightening woman. Love that woman. And I said only Joe Kelly can satisfy this woman. That's right, and that, <laughs> that is probably true. Because every Yankees fan showed up to Yankee Stadium last night looking for blood. They wanted blood. Joe Kelly delivered that last year. No Yankee did on the mound. And that's what you're leaving with. The series continues. Someone needs to take a baseball to the back at minimum in this series. I'm not averse to uh, hitting somebody, and it's got to be one of the three main guys that are left over. But uh, I'm perfectly happy to watch them walk away with a uh, 7-4 win, watch Altuve look confused. A regular season win's great, but they they won a World Series championship because of what they did. And Here's they kept the Yankees from doing so, and, and many teams, but the Yankees specifically, and they won every home game in that seven-game series for a reason. And if you're going to tout a regular season win two years later or three years later, more power to you, but there needs to be some repercussions more so than just saying, you know what, we'll, we'll take the victory and move on. That there, there is baseball justice for a reason, and for those who want to tout 
oh, you know, the, the unwritten rules of the game, this is one of them. Well, I want both prison justice and baseball justice. <laughs> prison justice is someone takes one in the, in the back, right between the shoulder blades. About a hundred mile per hour fastball. I'd rather the ribs. I want that, and I want the wind. So, Paul, here's the best of both worlds. This area here. I don't know who your I don't know your bullpen that well, but whoever in the Yankees bullpen, uh, middle reliever that throws gas, start that player. First batter comes up, put one right between their numbers and their backs, and then trot Garrett Cole out to shut their ass down the rest (laughs) of the night and win the game in a shutout after plunking the first batter. That is both prison justice, baseball justice. The two meet, the two marry, and it's beautiful for your Yankees. Well, Jordan Montgomery's starting tonight. There we go. You know, I could see you don't have to do it at the beginning. Do it at the end of his five innings. True. You know, he's going to throw you five innings. The Yankees have a very good bullpen. I want a clear-cut message sent. I don't want anyone thinking that it could have been a mistake. I want first pitch of the game in someone's back. I want you to send the message to everyone. Major League Baseball can deal with it, with how they didn't deal with the Astros. You send that message first pitch. That's I, what am, I, want. I am surprised that they didn't last night. I don't know. I think they're trying to. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying, and I feel uh, obviously as a Yankees fan, uh, I, I would, I would like to see the Astros suffer in a physical way, which is not a great thing to say. But, um, but I also understand them trying to to be big and be past it and and oh, let, be let, big. let Come the on. fans <laughs> take, take care of it and, and move on. Dusty Baker saying, boy, they were tough on Altuve after the game is very babyish and minor league-ish. If, if you're going to let 10,000 fans get to you, yep. uh, you know, you're more than childlike. Your childlikeness is not just your size. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, Treating his general manager the way Jordan treated Jerry Krause, according to uh, reports. Calling uh, him Krause. Calling him Krause in, like, uh, group texts with... uh, With teammates. uh, This surprises me because you have to know that's going to get out, or you have to know there's a risk of that getting out. And he's pretty methodical temperament-wise and plotting, right? So he's not afraid of this getting out. He knows it's getting out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. So uh, that's that's un- it's like the reports un- coming out now that he didn't want all of this to happen. He, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yes, I, I find did. it hilarious. I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I think the whole thing is Jerry Krause, by the way, won six NBA championships. Yes, but Jerry Krause also is the reason that they didn't win more, possibly. Um, and I, I think that let's go back to the last dance in that. I think Jerry Krause got the wrong of the deal because Jerry Krause isn't alive to tell his side of the story. So everyone that was left did not like Jerry Krause. Congratulations to Jerry Krause for being there with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan won the Bulls NBA championship. And Michael Jordan was not drafted by Jerry Krause. Yeah. Look, I'm no defender of Jerry Krause, and he botched a lot of stuff. But he also did some things that put that team in decent position. Okay, this goes back, though, to who's the star? Who's the reason that you're there? Yeah, Michael Jordan's the reason. reason, But I'm going to the Packers now, too. Who's the reason that you are in the position you're in? Take Aaron Rodgers off the Packers. They're four and twelve. I firmly believe that. I think they go from thirteen and three to a middling, not even middling, a bad team. If Jordan, if you're breaking in Jordan Love as a starter, that is a bad football team. He is the star. He's the reason you are where you are. So again, I understand the precedent is bad, but if you legitimately want to try to win a Super Bowl now. You're, you're almost put in a position where you have no other choice. 
It's either put your money on Gutenkist and keep him there and continue to build things the way you've always built them and let Aaron Rodgers walk, call his bluff, trade him, whatever it takes, or you make Aaron Rodgers happy and you find someone else that can do the job Gutenkist is doing. I really think it's that easy of a decision for the Packers. And I'll go back to the Jerry Krause-Michael Jordan analogy. Who's more important to the Chicago Bulls? Is it Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen who both hated Jerry Krause, or is it Jerry Krause? We all know the answer to that. Phil Jackson. They really yeah, and Phil it. Jackson, who also hated him. They really blew it. Uh, you know, if Ted Thompson had stayed one more year, and Ted, Ted Thompson had run his course, but if he had stayed mm. one more year, the guy would have started one year later. And then if they had made the quarterback move one year later with Jordan Love, that's what's accelerating this whole timetable, right? because you've got to evaluate him by his third year to decide about his option after his third year, which is about his fifth year. Uh, And you can't evaluate that option if you don't see him in his third year. His third year would be 2022. If his third year was 2023, you know, if you drafted a guy a year later, they just move too quickly. They move too quickly on that, well, that's the whole root of the problem. And they, so from the Packers' end of this, they would say, and they traded up for him for love. Yeah. But they would say that he was so high on their board and the value was there that it was so great. Couldn't resist. They had to go get him. If that's the case, why, are, why the apprehension to just start the clock on your future franchise quarterback if you really believe that? Because they don't want Rodgers to win. Right, but this is so stupid. But we know I get, the so, end I get game so here. sick and tired. We know the end game. I get so sick and tired of egos getting in the way of smart decisions. We've talked about this with broadcasting decisions at times, right? And who's going to be on your team? I can't let that person win, so I'm going right. to do something dumb that shoots my own organization in the foot. This happens all. So you're the saying time. they should move on to Love? I think they should. Well, they're going to a if year. If they from now. traded up to draft Jordan Love, was there apprehension about starting Aaron Rodgers when it was time to let Brett Favre well, go? Well, it's beyond time. Hell no! They were trying to speed up the clock because they loved Rodgers so much. I'm not getting the sense they love Love the way they they're well, they they're, they're bandying they about different they quarterbacks they and all the these evidence. other reports. They well, the difference with evidence. Favre Favre at the time, you know, retires. Right. They they play Rodgers and then he wants along. to play again, and they say, well, we've moved on. And, and Brett Favre was asked about this, about the saga going on right now, and he said the difference is the Packers were willing to trade me. I don't think they're willing to trade Aaron Rodgers. Well, do what's, do what's right for your organization. That's what I mean. I don't care about the ego of, well, I'm not going to let him have the last word, or Aaron Rodgers isn't going to dictate to us what we do. If you want to try to win a Super Bowl this year, you make Aaron Rodgers happy. First off, you no, try, to, is, you try to get him true. in the negotiating that table. That part is true. The, the, the GM needs to fall on the sword and say everything Aaron Rodgers wants to hear and see if you can repair the relationship. If you can't, you got a decision to make. Fire the GM and keep Aaron Rodgers or get rid of Aaron Rodgers. And if you get rid of Aaron Rodgers, come out and say, the guy's a malcontent, we had a great run with him, we can't make him happy, we traded up to get Jordan Love for a reason, we're going to win championships with Jordan Love. If you believe that and you want to start the clock on him being your franchise quarterback, go ahead and say it. But I don't want to hear from anyone that I don't want Aaron Rodgers to win. Or for Aaron Rodgers to say, I don't want the GM to win. I honestly believe Aaron Rodgers is coming from a place of he's screwing up our chances to win a Super Bowl. I don't think this is as much of an ego with Aaron Rodgers as much as why the hell are you not drafting a receiver or someone to help me out on offense instead of a quarterback? 
And the fact you did that and didn't tell me about it, that hurts our chances to compete for a Super Bowl. Well, Matt LaFleur did more to hurt their chances of winning a Super Bowl last year than Gutenkiss did. Uh, agreed. So he may be next on the chopping block for Aaron Rodgers, if that's the case. If it's either him or me. Well, we'll get into more of this with John McClain. He's going to join us in about 10 minutes. Uh, we'll also ask him about Jawan James, offensive lineman in Denver, who went down with an Achilles injury. Paul, who was training in the offseason, of course, the, the players, I don't know if it's a, a boycott is the right way to phrase uh, skipping voluntary workouts, uh, which any player could do any year, and some players are actually showing up for the workout bonuses. But th this is going to be one of the examples that the league and the teams will use of training outside the facility and suffering an injury that could be season-ending. It was May 3rd, 2012, when Terrell Suggs tore his Achilles in Baltimore, and he miraculously came back in record time. So that's why everyone's hesitant to say it's a season-ending injury. But for an O-lineman and for the movement, you know, front and back, on the Achilles, I, I would think it's it's detrimental to 2021 for him. And his salary's at risk because it's a non-football injury, uh, technically. And this is going to be used by every coach and GM in the league, either uh, outwardly or probably backhandedly, uh, you know, in conversations that, can, that can't be recorded, so to speak, where you say, hey, look, you know, if you suffer that injury in our building, you're fine. And if you suffer that injury outside our building, you're screwed. Um, and that, that's the way the CBA is crafted that you agreed to. And wouldn't you rather have the assurances of, of knowing if you tear an ACL, if you rupture an Achilles, if you, you know, whatever, that you've, you're protected under the CBA if that happens on our property. But you're not protected if it happens elsewhere. Now, there are plenty of guys, by the way, during voluntary workouts that don't do it at the facility. Plenty of high-profile mm -hmm. guys, anyway. Uh, another ripple effect of this is uh, Villanueva, who just signed with the Ravens, and we knew this was coming, that they were waiting until after the draft. Not so much, it turns out, uh, because they wanted to see what happened in the draft, but more because this is after the deadline uh, where a free agent signing affects the compensatory pick formula. So... But had he waited one more day, Denver might have come with a bigger offer or Baltimore might have had to up its offer to keep him from going to Denver. Dennis Kelly now may be in play as one of the potential replacements in Denver for Jawan James. But uh, I think it's him Eric Fisher, Bobby uh, Massey. Eric Fisher is, is, is in Indianapolis who needs a left tackle. They didn't draft the left tackle to replace Costanzo. So a lot of left tackle movement, a lot of tackle movement now going on in the secondary veteran market. That's the first domino of the secondary veteran market post-draft now. Um, a bad injury, an unfortunate event, and everybody now you know, gets that high alert thing like can't get hurt at this time of year, particularly yep. off the property. Well, if they're looking for right tackle, and they are, um, Dennis Kelly's a good option for them, and his value just went up. Uh, now he needs one more team to get to join the bidding. Yeah, as well. Well, well reportedly, uh, Baltimore was in the market for Dennis Kelly as a sixth, uh, as a third tackle. John McClain is coming up from the Houston Chronicle. He's covered the league for more than four decades. We will go through the NFL draft, the biggest headlines. We will discuss Aaron Rodgers and that saga in Green Bay, and much more straight ahead on Outkick 360.
Outkick 360 across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Pleased to be joined by John McLean of the Houston Chronicle. You can follow him on Twitter. Excellent follow at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. He's covered the league for more than four decades, and you can find his work at cron.com. John, always great to have you on the show. Hope you're doing well after the draft. I am, guys. Thank you very much for having me, as always. Absolutely. Paul, you, you and uh, the three of us, along with John, we've been discussing Aaron Rodgers during the break. It includes uh, a tampering allegation from Green Bay. Yeah, so Rob Domofsky, our friend from ESPN, who covers uh, the Packers, uh, says that the Packers are upset that other teams, including the 49ers and Broncos, may have contacted Rodgers to see if he was interested in playing for them. But the Packers have not filed a tampering complaint with the NFL because tampering's incredibly hard to prove. Um, I don't know. If, I, if I'm one of those teams, I'm probably back-channeling to see as well. But it is uh, a dangerous thing to do. Well, that should infuriate his agent, David Dunn, if they were going behind his back to talk to Rodgers. That wouldn't be very hard to prove if the league made them send their cell phone records like they did with Tom Brady when uh, Deflategate came. But I think he said uh, he destroys his phone every year. So it just so happened he did not have access to that. Of course, you can get any cell call that you want if you want to do it legally because everything we do is always somewhere. And in this case with Rodgers, what is very telling about this situation is his agent, David Dunn, went to Green Bay and negotiated for a contract extension. In other words, pay him and he'll be happy. The Packers have him under contract, I think, could count franchise tag three years, and he didn't get what he wanted. So then it got out that Rodgers was unhappy and wanted out. I think he'll be right there. I believe it was Mike Florio that figured up he would lose $40 million if he set out this year's base salary, uh, what they could get back on his signing bonus. And then there was another bonus he wouldn't earn. And I don't think Jeopardy pays $40 million a year. So I expect him to be back as a thing about firing the GM, Brian Gutekunst, who's done a good enough job in his two seasons as the GM to help him get one game from the Super Bowl. And I think if he, if that keeps coming out, that he wants the GM fired, that makes him look really bad. And there's no way they're going to fire a GM that they like a lot. He just got his feelings bruised when they traded up to get Jordan Love. Love's selection had nothing to do with Rodgers' selection. Rodgers fell to them. They didn't trade up to get him like they did Love, but I fully expect him to be with the Packers this season. You mentioned David Dunn. David Dunn was Carson Palmer's agent. Different CBA and all of that at the time, but Carson Palmer sat out when he decided that he was done with the Bengals, a much worse organization, until during the season uh, an injury in Oakland prompted a trade to the Raiders. Do you think that informs any of this from David Dunn's perspective? Could be. It's such a long time ago, and the Bengals were awful, not just cheap, but they were awful where the Packers have been one step short of the Super Bowl in each of the last two seasons. They've done a tremendous job under Matt LaFleur after he left the Titans. So, you know, I'm, I'm guessing at some point Rodgers will settle down and his ego will get soothed 
some way, and he'll be back uh, wearing Green Bay's uniform. Meanwhile, you know, there's Deshaun Watson. At some point, he'll have his legal issues, 22 civil lawsuits put behind him, and he'll be facing an NFL suspension. But I don't think that would keep teams from trying to trade for him. The key is, do teams like Carolina and Denver that were really interested in Watson in Washington, which was kind of interested in Watson, do they still try to get him before the season, or do they wait and see how things work out with their quarterback? Sam Darnold with the Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater, and Drew Locke with the Broncos, and if Washington, you know, Washington, to me, you know, if they had a quarterback like Watson, they'd be a Super Bowl contender because they got a great defense. So uh, I think Deshaun Watson still believe he'll play somewhere next season after he's traded and after his suspension that he gets because of the personal conduct policy. John, going back to the, the whole Aaron Rodgers situation, just in general, where do you fall on this feud? And do you think that Matt LaFleur's decision-making in the NFC Championship game helps speed up Aaron Rodgers' anger with the organization at all? Or is this all about Gutenkust and the decision to trade up to get Jordan Love? Chadillac, I've been reading and listening to and watching Packer experts, including former players in the media who were there for a long time, people that have covered the team for a long time, and Andrew Brandt, who was in their front office for 10 years and writes for SI, uh, the business of football. And I respect their opinion because they know so much more than I do. And they say it goes back to the Jordan Love situation. And then they could have extended Rodgers to show him, you know, we want you to end your career here. They didn't do it. In 2019, he didn't have a great season. So I could see them drafting a quarterback. But then last year, of course, he was MVP for the third time. There's never been an MVP get traded after that season. So it seems to me a lack of communication on the part of Brian Gunnikunst until it, until it becomes a huge controversy. That's why I think they can get this worked out. And uh, as far as a lot of players throughout history have gotten their feelings hurt or their egos bruised because of somebody who was brought in behind them, Brett Favre being a great example in Green Bay. But the fact of the matter is they can extend Rodgers and make him happy or they could stick to their guns and force him to come in or retire. And if they do do that, and it's going to make him even angrier. But last year he played angry and played great. John McLean with us from the Houston Chronicle. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, a, a smaller topic, but a, a different layer to this story is the NFL schedule, which will be announced May 12th. How close is the NFL watching this drama unfold, and how much do they hope that all this is settled by next Wednesday? Well, you know that they have the Packers down for the maximum number of national TV appearances, especially in prime time. Not just because Aaron Rodgers and because the Packers are a Super Bowl contender, because there's a mystique about games at Lambeau Field, especially in December when it could be snowing and it's cold and it becomes the frozen tundra. So you're, I know they've called the Packers, and the Packers say, we ain't trading and so they'll take their chances, put him down there. And if he's, he retires or holds out and misses a season, which he won't do, because then his contract would toll, 
And then they, of course, could make a big deal out of Jordan Love. Is he, he going to be uh, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, or is he going to be the magic man, Don McDowski, and the other quarterbacks there who were a disaster? So I think they'll have them. It, there, there's a lot of hand-wringing over this, you know, in the NFL offices, but I'm pretty sure they think that Rodgers will be back and they'll get the maximum number of appearances because it's too late to change it, and then they'll just keep their fingers crossed. Jawan James suffers a ruptured Achilles tendon working out away from the Titans facility. Uh, not the Titans, sorry, the Broncos facility. Uh, report is that he was working out at the Broncos facility and then pressured by the NFLPA's movement against uh, these voluntary workouts, he left. Um, how much of a cautionary tale is this for players who put their salaries at risk if they get hurt away from the facility as opposed to getting hurt at the facility? Well, first of all, Paul, when they signed him in 2019, he played three games, blew out his knee. Last season, he opted out. So he's an easy player for them to make an example of. Say it was the left tackle, Garrett Bowles. They'd pay him. If it was one of their regular starters, they'd pay them. If they got hurt away from the facility, it sends a message to players uh, about the organization. And players will look on this as, man, did they screw him, when in reality he screwed himself by not being there. You know, it's like the Texans. They've had 50 or more guys working out every day. They never, they were not one of those teams that came out and said, you know, we support the union and then had players go in and work out. And so if you're an agent, agents have to be on the side of the player and not the union because they know, you know, if it's a freak thing like that and it costs you a season, then that's tough luck. Now, the Broncos haven't said they're not going to pay him. You know teams want them not to pay him to send a message to other players. You better get your butts in here and start working. So this is going to drag out. It's going to get a lot of attention. I noticed some players around the league don't understand why he might not get paid. Well, you're not very informed if you don't understand. If you don't work out at your facility and you get hurt, you're rolling the dice. Or if you do, you're protected. John, it's our first chance to talk to you since the NFL draft. So let's talk a little bit about some of the biggest storylines in the draft. No drama with picks one and two with Trevor Lawrence and uh, with, with Zach Allen to the, to the Jets. But then at pick three, that was the big pivot point of the first round. Trey Lance going to the 49ers. We're going to talk about other quarterbacks in this draft. But specifically, what did you think of that move for Kyle Shanahan? When Shanahan made that move to trade up number three with Miami, Right away, I thought, okay, got Garoppolo. They're going to take Trey Lance because he is the least refined and may need the longest to develop because he only played one game last season. And then I listened to all the Mac Jones uh, rhetoric, all the people picking Mac Jones. And when I came to my last mock draft, which is my official mock draft, I said, I'm going to look like an idiot if I don't have them taking Mac Jones. And they take him. So I put Mac Jones in there. And, of course, I was wrong. <laughs> And this Kyle Shanahan's got a six-year contract. Then he's gotten an extension. So it's not like he's going to be fired. But three years from now, if he's one of those quarterbacks who is not getting offered, having that fifth-year option picked up, it could eventually cost Shanahan his job. Obviously, Kyle loves Trey Lance, thinks he's an ideal fit for that system. And But we know, you guys know it very well because you covered Marcus Mariota, 
that from 14 through 18, eight quarterbacks taken in the top three. The only one still with the same team is Baker Mayfield. And so it is a crapshoot with all quarterbacks, but especially those taken at the top. And uh, so, you know, of these top, say the quarterbacks taken in the top 15, say two or three of them are not going to get the second second contract. And my choices would be Zach Wilson, just because the Jets have screwed up so much through the years. And maybe Trey Lance, but he's with a coach who knows what he's doing. And then Justin Fields going to the Bears. The Bears have a history of bad moves at quarterback. So there's guys here that could not make it. Might not be their fault. Might be the team's fault. But I think the most interesting to watch is going to be Lance because of what all the 49ers gave up to get him. And I, I said Zach Allen. I, I meant Zach Wilson. I was distracted thinking about his mom at the time. Um, also, <laughs> trading up the Bears. You mentioned Justin Fields, that history of, of bad quarterback decisions there. Uh, but they went up and got their guy in this draft. And Mac Jones falling to 15 to the Patriots. John, it just feels like the perfect Patriots pick. And it feels like the perfect Patriots move to just sit back and wait and have their quarterback come to them. I thought Bill Belichick would have to trade up in the first round to get one of those five quarterbacks. I thought none of them would get past Denver at number nine. And then when Mac Jones was there two picks before, you knew they weren't going to take quarterback. So he's going to get him. And when Mac Jones made that walk from his own little green room up to Roger Goodell, I think he walked faster than any player because he realized his good fortune of going to New England and uh, where the pressure's not going to be on him, pressure's on Cam Newton to keep his job. But I th- it reminded me of 2004 when Ben Roethlisberger fell to the Steelers, and the Steelers were really good. And their uh, Tommy Maddox was their starting quarterback, and then when he got hurt early in the season, Ben had to play, and he didn't lose again until the playoffs. And that's the way it could be with Mac Jones because they've added a lot of our offensive firepower to help whoever the quarterback is. And maybe he won't play him as a rookie like he didn't play Tom Brady, or maybe it'll be at the end of the year. But I think of these quarterbacks, other than Trevor Lawrence, the one that I think has the best chance to win in the NFL would be Mac Jones because of where he is and who's coaching it. John McClain with us from the Houston Chronicle. Again, follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. John, did you learn more about the investment that Atlanta made in their quarterback with with Matt Ryan or the investment that Carolina is telling us they're making in Sam Darnold with what they did and didn't do in the draft? Well, you can pick up that fifth-year option and then say say they started the season poorly and they didn't like Darnold. Trade deadline comes around and they loved Deshaun Watson before his legal issues popped up. There were stories that they were going to do whatever it took at Watson. So, say Watson's available at the trading deadline, then will they trade like two ones and two twos the next two years to get him? So, they've got some time to keep an eye on Darnold. They can keep him or they can trade him to another team if they thought uh, somebody else wanted him. Denver, with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, I think they'll still be in the market for a quarterback. And, and I just... It, it was so intriguing watching these quarterbacks and see who got them, who traded up for them. And Trevor Lawrence was boring because we knew he was going there for since the Jaguars officially got the first pick. And then we really, we knew about Zach Wilson 
for a long time. So we didn't know about, to me, the draft started four with Atlanta. And they had to redo his contract. Next year, his cap figure, $48.5 million. Mm. He turns 37. And next year, he'll be for 38 with a cap figure of 48.5. That's why I had them take a quarterback instead of Kyle Pitts. Should have taken Pitts. But they're going to have a quarterback issue in the next year or two because of finances. You're most familiar with the AFC South covering the Texans and, and seeing uh, those other teams twice a year. Uh, Indianapolis doesn't touch left tackle in the draft, the, the way things fell for Chris Ballard. They've got veteran visitors scheduled to come in now. Titans don't get to wide receiver until the fourth round, don't get to tight end at all. What does it tell you about those teams when they don't address major needs uh, sufficiently or at all? I think they think they've got guys that can take up can take up the slack for losing players. You know, Caleb Farley, I had them in all but my last mock draft taking him because I knew they needed a corner and he's coming off back surgery. But at some point, Ed, he's going to be good to go and he's going to turn out to be a great pick. If he had been healthy, he might have been the one going to Carolina eighth overall. So I thought that was a good pick. I thought Molden was a really good pick. And, of course, Dylan, is it Radnitz? Is that how you pronounce it? I think he'll work out a little bit better yes, than I said Wilson did. How do you pronounce it? Radins. 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 And uh, so I thought that was a good pick. I like what they did overall. I gave the Jaguars an A-, minus, the Titans a B, the Colts a B-, minus, and the Texans a C+. Plus. And uh, they have an Indy, I think they said, Tevy, is it Sam Tevy? that he's going to play left tackle. Yes. So, John, the, the Rashad Weaver story with the Titans, they take him in the fourth round. News comes out on Monday morning that he's got an arrest warrant. He's been summoned for allegedly hitting a woman in the street outside of a Pittsburgh bar at 2.28 a.m. Now, this was filed on Friday. He's drafted Saturday by the Titans. You've covered this league for a long time. You've talked to a lot of scouts. You've talked to GMs. When you see a story like that, where does your mind immediately go? Coming off last year with the Titans and the failure in first round with Isaiah Wilson, was it the Titans missed something here, or was it the player lied about something, or it's just really unfortunate timing? Where does your mind go when you see this story? Well, first of all, if it's true, it's reprehensible, but there's no way they're going to know something like that on Saturday that happens Friday night. And he is a fourth-round pick. It's not like he's a first-rounder. You know, Isaiah Wilson's problem, as you guys know, he had no heart. You know, he just didn't want to play. And I'm sure they've scouted Rashad Weaver, and maybe he's a guy that goes 100 miles an hour all the time. But uh, they've got to, you know, what they're going to say is like the league's going to say. They're investigating and then gathering evidence, and they'll see. But if it didn't work out, he's still a fourth-round pick. It'd be better if uh, – uh, uh, who's the other end? Besides my other Vic Beasley? Yeah. It works out better than Clowney did, of course. Mm-hmm. That would work out great. And if Bud Dupree at some point, he's going to be rushing like crazy. So it's not like there's a lot of pressure to come in right away, especially if Landry makes even bigger improvement in his third season. But it seems to me like it's just bad luck because of bad timing. John, the the discussion when Justin Fields was selected by Chicago, 
was, oh, he's going to Chicago and he's going to sit behind Andy Dalton. But the, the, the coaching and general manager situation there is a lot different than it is, for instance, in San Francisco, where I don't know how you can automatically jump to assume that Justin Fields isn't going to see the field sooner rather than later if Chicago gets off to a slow start. He might start right away. You know, they signed Andy Dalton. Andy has been in the playoffs with Cincinnati and then very well since. Started a few games with the Cowboys last year after Dak Prescott went down. And something to keep in mind, if when Fields is ready, he's playing. You know, ownership is is they don't want to see him watching and learning. And the truth is, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, the coach and GM, some people think, well, this bought them time. It'll buy them time. It feels looks like he was worth trading up nine spots for. Whether they win games or not, he needs to show them he is the quarterback of the future. He is the best since Sig Luckman. And so it'll take time to prove that. But he's got to show enough to make them believe that he's the guy, finally the guy. And Andy Dalton will do a great job of mentoring him. But, man, he needs to work out a lot better than the last quarterback, Ryan Pace, traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky. Raiders jump again for a guy that uh, universally seems to have been rated significantly lower than they took him, Leatherwood from from Alabama. Um, this is the third or fourth guy for, for Mayock and Gruden that that falls under this same category like if you love them you love them but don't you have to have a sense of the league john where you you can move back or take him later and uh and and not use your value on a guy that the rest of the league doesn't see the same way you see aren't they obligated to have a feel for that well you would think so john gruden has final say on all personnel decisions of course my mike mayock is his right-hand man and we don't know Maybe Gruden wanted him and Mayock didn't. And then once the decision's made, everybody's got to be, get with the program. Now, if they wanted to trade back into the bottom of the first round or higher up in the second round, they could have gotten him. They need linemen. It's a desperate need. He can play guard, and he might be able to play tackle. But, man, it was a reach. John, final thing for you. Anything uh, of note from Deshaun Watson over the last week during the draft? Are there any discussions whatsoever regarding his roster status? Well, he's not going to be on the team. I can tell you that. We've been saying for two months he's going to be traded. He doesn't want to be on the team. He wants to be traded. We're not going to see him anytime soon. What's he worth in a trade at this stage compared to what he was worth? Not near as much as he would have been before 22 civil lawsuits. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. And Davis Mills, what what were your initial impressions of the new second-round quarterback that limited picks for the Texans and they go with their first selection in the second round, go quarterback? We knew they were going to draft quarterbacks just no matter when and who. And didn't surprise me on Mills. David Shaw, the coach, has been doing all the media rounds here, praising him and got a great arm, great size, really smart, no threat to run, although he can move around. But he only started six games last year because the Pac-12 cut the season short. Started He started 11 overall, played in 14, so he's raw. They hired Pep Hamilton, outstanding quarterback coach, to coach Justin Herbert last season. So they'll let him work with him at some point over the second half of the season. They'll have to see if he can play. 
because if they don't think he's the franchise, they're going to have to use that first pick on a quarterback next year. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle with us. I believe, John, you're coming to, to Nashville next month with, with Jeff Fisher and Eddie George. Is that right? Be coming up there on uh, uh, June the 12th for a fundraiser. And uh, George Plaster, me, and Jeff Fisher will be hosting it. And uh, we'll be publicizing it a lot the closer we get to it. Okay. John, please join us in studio when you're in town. We'd love to have you here yeah. uh, for a live visit. I'll come up a day early just to hang out with you guys. Sweet. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Love having him a part of Outkick 360. John, thank you as always, and we'll chat soon. My pleasure, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Always great to chat with the legendary John McClain, Pro Football Hall of Fame selector and member. Uh, one of the first names you see when you walk into the front doors of the Hall of Fame, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Coming up, primary complaint. If we were putting together Hall of Fame segments from the show, primary complaint may be it's, at the top of the list. It's right in the entryway, just like John McClain. When you walk into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, our Hall of Fame would feature primary complaint right in the front door. We air our top grievance of the week next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Crew is all here today, including Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, and David Reed. Live from Blackbird Studio, we are getting set for primary complaint. Where, Paul, we air our top grievance of the week. Not a secondary complaint, a primary complaint. And look, it's hard for me today. I've got a secondary complaint. It, it's in Jacob's computer over there, and I've got to sit on it. It's timely. <laughs> it's timely. It's burning a hole in my pocket. But, look, we made the rules. We follow the rules. One complaint. So I'm going. I've got two very good ones. I'm going at both very timely. I'm going with the top one. The other one takes back seat. It's not going to be heard. Paul, I'm with you. I've got two primary complaints this week. But because the rules of the game, I'm going with the one that's more timely. I don't want to wait on this one for a week, but I am ready to go. There are plenty of material out there for primary complaint this week. We're excited. And you can join us each and every week. We're about to hear from a 360 season ticket holder on this. But you can email in your complaint, 360 at outkick.com. 360 at outkick.com. Uh, you can do this visually. You can send it a video. 60 seconds or less is what we're trying to keep this to. You can also do it uh, just by recording an audio file and sending that. If you want to uh, send a graphic, a photo with that, we can make it work there as well. 360 as outkick, uh, 360 at outkick.com as it is time to begin primary complaint. Let's work smarter, not harder. That's the, mod, the, the motto here. And let's plan to be smart, not plan ahead to look stupid. And this is my example this week for my primary complaint, which is a sign as we cross the street which we're about to show on the screen. There was a group of people, likely with a boss, who thinks they're the smartest person in the room, who thought, you know what, instead of a sign that just states pedestrian crossing is now automated, let's keep the button on here. Let's keep the button on the crossing, on the crosswalk, and treat the process like telling people they're putting their hand next to a sharp object. 
By the time you read through this BS and know that the button that you press to cross the street doesn't work, you're waiting on the next red light instead of being across the street at the restaurant. Be smarter with those making decisions to post signs to make things more accommodating and easier. That is my primary complaint. Huck, can we give you a screwdriver? Could you just remove the button panel? I wanted to punch the button panel when I saw this. I'd love the idea of Hutton out there with a sledgehammer, <laughs> taking it to the button and knocking it off of the pole uh, to eliminate it altogether and the sign. I, I love it. So my primary complaint this week um, is for people that love something so much they can't see what's before them. They can't see exactly what happens right in front of them. And I'm using the example of LeBron James in a recent game against the Toronto Raptors. This is a tweet in a video that made its round. We're going to show it to you right now. Once Jacob pops it up there, there, there it is. When you watch this video, you see LeBron James, who is a notorious flop artist, not get hit in the face at all, at all, playing it over and over again. There's not contact to his Watch face, very closely and he here. reacts right now, right there. like he got shot in the face when they call a foul. There's no contact to the face. Now, I, LeBron does this. I, we all know this, and it becomes a big joke about you know thoughts and prayers with LeBron James as he recovers from injury every time he flops like this after a non-foul. My problem is that actual human beings are tweeting me telling me that he was elbowed on this play. (laughs) There is visual evidence that he was not touched in the face on this play. There's Zapruder-like films being sent to me of screenshots where the elbow at one point is out in front of his head, where they're trying to make the connection that the elbow hit him in the head. And they'll say stuff like, while I'll admit that he exaggerated a little. A little? He exaggerated a little? He exaggerated a lot to no contact. And you're trying to create contact. He was still fouled. There was still contact. No, there was not. He was not elbowed in the face. My primary complaint is for you to watch what happens and actually admit what happens when the visual evidence is in front of you. Actual evidence doesn't matter, Chad. It's what they wanted to happen. Did they call a foul on that? They called a foul on that, <clears throat> yes. It looked like the play was stopped on the, on the foul. Yeah. Um, listen, I wanted to watch a baseball game last night. We talked about it earlier. The Yankees, Astros, a lot of vitriol left over from Astros cheating scandal. And I'm not anti-Star Wars. I watched the films. I like the films. I'm anti-being so into it that you've got, you know, Yoda underwear and uh, C-3PO as the main art in your living room. Um, I understand that Disney owns Star Wars and it also owns ESPN. I cannot have this during a baseball game last night, Jacob. I cannot have this. Listen closely. When an outfielder throws somebody out at first base on a force play, and here Larry Walker throws out a position player, Tony Fernandez. I've seen pitchers thrown out plenty of times in situations like this. That's the first and only time I've seen a position player thrown out on a 9-3 put out by a right fielder, Larry Walker, who's in the Hall of Fame. Now look, that's not a great recording by me off of my TV. That's Tim Kirchin talking about one of the great force outs of all time because the force may be with you on May 4th. A throw from Larry Walker who threw a guy out at first base. But 
You can't hear him, not because it's a bad audio recording by me. You can't hear him because he's wearing a damn Yoda mask. <laughs> and he's talking to you through the broadcast like this. Sound like Bane. <laughs> now, this is a professional broadcast. And whether they're celebrating May 4th or not, the primary thing of a professional broadcast is to be audible and to have visual things that you can see. So they're breaking the number one rule in order for this guy to be wearing a Yoda mask, which he expressed throughout the broadcast he was miserable doing. What is this? <laughs> I, I, I wanted to watch a baseball game. I understand you got to do your hokey stuff, and you're going to Steve Levy doing SportsCenter updates, who in a very similar fashion is wearing a Darth Vader costume. I can't hear him either! <laughs> Which, owned, by the way, owned by Disney. Th this is a perfect tie-in to our guest primary complaint today. Oh, yeah. Which is really funny. But I'll say this, Paul. Can we add to your list of things that we won't do on this show? Like favorite Thanksgiving side dish or favorite Halloween costume by also admitting right now and just pronouncing that we're not going to ask listeners and viewers to give us your favorite Star Wars movie or character on May the 4th. No. Can we add to that list? Yes, I should have announced it at the beginning of the show yesterday. I didn't know that it was such a big deal that we had to announce we it. We did hear but that. But I, I, it's all over the place now. Everybody feels like they have to do well, something have Star no Wars content. to where we have to announce that we're they, not doing the same old stuff. I don't know if they feel they had to do that. They had to do something. They have hours to fill and they have no content. Therefore, oh, it's May 4th. We have got, oh, bonus content. We could stretch this. What, you think we can get 45 minutes well, out of this, so, guys, or at least a half an hour? Here's the problem. Like, I can understand. Uh, we're not going to do it because we're not lazy. But I can understand if you have four hours to fill on a talk show doing something with it to fill time. You've you're got a baseball game in front of you. This is my complaint like with, with the college game. basketball coverage on ESPN this year. The game is in front of you. You can talk about the game. You don't have to create content to fill the time when you're you've got a and it's a big regular season game with the Astros first trip to New York with fans since with the, the woman cheating, blowing right? up a gar one woman blowing up a garbage can and the other woman losing control of her anger but it's it, the people are tuning into the game yes right. this is my this is my baseline thing about it you don't I can understand when you're having to create content we create content on the show we understand what it's like to do that but this is a, a game in front of you. That's the content. They even went, you were there to supplement the content, which is the game. They even went to the production truck. I can't and believe these, I'm having to explain it this way. These poor bastards in the production truck, every one of them, had on a Yoda ear thing or a, a C-3PO hat or R2-D2 sticker. You know they're And they're all too. waving. They're all and as soon as that camera goes off, every one of them saying, Oh, dear God. Guy's waving a lightsaber. Uh, you think they're happy? They're not happy. They're not happy. We're not happy. <laughs> I'm really know. not happy. It looked like happy. Tim Kirchin was really enjoying that a oh, little too much. He couldn't wait to get the mask off once they were off camera. But he was talking while they were off camera with it on. I mean, I understand if you're going to the three shot and he's got it on. <laughs> was All Tim right. Kirchin Yoda or Wawa? Yoda. <laughs> okay. Tim Kirchner is like real life size of Yoda. At too. least Ravage. He's yeah. like 4'10". At least Ravage <laughs> kind of makes had sense. a costume on that didn't cover his face. 
And then in a in a joke to one of our off-air things, which we'll tell you in the <laughs> next. Which is way too tan, in the too. next In the next VIP outfit? event, we'll tell you. But he had a great <laughs> tweet, Hutton, where he said, uh, word is a producer's dressed as Darth Nihilus. <laughs> <laughs> this is just straight Disney orders is yes. what this is. Yeah, the day before was Marvel Day. It they had a Marvel, Marvel Comics Day on the, ESPN. But the difference with that is they had a main broadcast where they had the Warriors playing on ESPN. And they called it like a legitimate. And then you could go to ESPN two if you wanted the Marvels broadcast. You could flip that on. Same thing with Nickelodeon's game for the the playoffs in the NFL. You could find that Alternate broadcast. broadcast, not th- This is ESPN with their main broadcast team. You think uh, Eric, you think Alex Rodriguez is dressing up on Sunday Night Baseball for yeah, that? For BS? enough money, they're ramming it down no. my throat. Ramming it, ramming it, ramming it. I don't want it. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, the GIF we, was just created. We have, by the way, Paul. <laughs> ramming it, ramming it, ramming it. Let's create that GIF. Here's the comes All those on Outkick. This is Slappy Vader. My primary complaint is that May the Fourth is not a national holiday yet. Soon, the phone lines will be open. And the 360 Nation will turn to the dark side. My favorite with that is is the natural light can. The little natty, natty light can. The breathing takes so long. To get in that 60-second window, it's got to really slow down. Slappy Vader. The the best thing ever. The shirt blends well with the Darth Vader helmet. The the best thing ever was when Herschel called in to complain about Slappy Fast and Slappy Vader and said, you got a guy with a respirator going in. (laughs) (laughs) You got a guy on a damn respirator. Can we uh, can we play that without the audio? Is it possible so we can just look at the backdrop and how we'll describe it? Yeah, I want to describe. What is it? It's a Fess's man cave. It's amazing. uh, Which is just, I mean, the 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 spacing. uh, What what is all this? Those are skylights. First off, he's got kind of an (laughs) A-frame. With skylights, they're obscured by the natty light. In the background, that he's stacked up. Are those license plates hanging (laughs) on the Star Wars? I think he's got some boxes of Lego. All the fifty states license plates. I think there's some Lego boxes. Star Wars toys. Yeah, he's got Star Wars toys toys back there. But but he's also got some posters there on the right. I mean, it's look at the product placement of the natural light too, as you mentioned. Oh yeah, it's perfectly. No, I mean it's beautiful because he's got skylights, so there's natural. light. Light on the natural light king. Well done, Slappy. Hey, well done, Paul. Thank you. The nat, the nat light hitting the natty light really adds to the effect. It's making me thirsty. Can we go to Santa's pub? It is sure. a great day when we can mention the natty daddy himself, Slappy Fess, and Darth Nihilus. Yeah. Coming up, uh, we have the Tennessee Power Hour, the very latest on the Tennessee Titans. We're going to get into the depth chart post-draft and discuss the Nashville Predators as well, who can clinch a playoff spot. That's next on OutKick 360. May 4th is not a holiday.